Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcome, whether on Twitter, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, 8-7 Extra Innings with a Rain Delay. And ask me questions if I was confusing. That game was stressful. (laughs) Games in early September, when a team has a huge division lead, really, 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 really shouldn't be that stressful. But that game kind of was. Um, I'm not sure what book David Ross was using to decide his bullpen usage. Josh Osich did okay. May that continue, or at least may he extend things out so Kyle Ryan doesn't have to pitch 75 days a week. Um, I will run down the standings. I'm going to try to do that after games, and it's going to be my version of the standings, which is Cubs are 21 and 14. Magic numbers to eliminate. St. Louis 27, Milwaukee 21, Cincinnati 20, Pittsburgh 17. Those numbers might sound like they're kind of large, but when you consider the season is barely half done, and well, 35, 20, 25 games left to go for the Cubs. Cardinals have a few extra. Count them down. Just count them down. Teams are going to... Milwaukee got throttled by the Tigers. Remember last week and everybody was saying, oh man, the Cubs aren't going to do anything because they're terrible because they lost to the Tigers, who's a bad club. Well, sometimes you call up a couple of guys, game looks a little bit better. I was posting on Twitter before before the game started. What's one thing you're confident of that will happen this series. I'm not looking at the tweet, but effectively the premise was we will see during this season why Cabrian Hayes was called up to the Pirates. Made a nice defensive play, represented at the plate. He'll be around a while. He's going to be good. Um, I don't like the seven, the extra inning runner at second base. I don't. I I didn't like the idea when it was going into minor league baseball. I didn't like it when it was put into minor league baseball. I don't like it in major league baseball. And I'm reasonably confident it's going to stay around in major league baseball. And people who were saying, well, it's going to be fine for this year. But next year they'll have to switch it back. No, they won't have to. It's not required. Rob Manfred likes the idea, or should I say, Jeff Wilpon likes the idea. Brody Van Wagenen probably said that Jeff Wilpon likes the idea. That's the way that it happens when Rob Manfred says something that he doesn't want to be attached to. Um, Yeah. Quite a game tonight. Jeffress. Jeremy Jeffress did a very nice job. He, I'm going to have to come up with a category for Jeremy Jeffress because he's pitching really well this year, 
And I don't think there's any way he's going to be able to go into the, into the Cubs' annals of one of the great all-time relief pitchers in team history. But all things considered, he's done really well. He had one bad outing, and that was almost exclusively because he was asked to go out for a second inning. He was asked to go out for a second inning tonight and got it done. That was nice to see. It wasn't an entire second inning, but um, it was kind of a extra inning scenario, so there you go. Um, kind of really bummed that Jose Martinez got lifted so early, and then Victor Martinez got, or um, after Jose Martinez got lifted, Victor Martinez, Victor Caratini was the DH, and he was lifted, which meant there was no backup catcher at all. I don't like it when that, I don't ever like it when that happens. I'm not sure who the Cubs emergency catcher is. Not sure how that would have worked. Um, I'm glad we didn't have to see it. There is a bit of news that if you have any questions about the game tonight, I'm uh, I'm a bit I'm a bit oh well one one thing about the game before I go to my uh, player development news. Since I did prep work for the series, I don't know if you heard my season uh, series preview but i had a series preview and what one of the things i did was i wanted to write down the innings usage by the relievers for pittsburgh sometimes this plays sometimes it doesn't and on sunday of their 10 relievers four of them had been used on monday of their 10 relievers four of them had been used it was a nice little mix of who had been and who hadn't been. So tonight, the way I had it figured, nine of them were good to go if it absolutely boiled to that. And it almost boiled to that. They used six. Wait a minute. Did they use a seventh? Hartlieb, Navarroska. No, they used six. They used six. Uh, and the bullpen usage, if they make no changes, and it's tougher to call up a guy from AAA because it's the alternate training site. I don't know if Pittsburgh will make a procedural move to add some innings to the bullpen or not. But the way I look at it, if a pitcher pitches over 20 pitches in a game, he probably won't pitch the next day. If he pitches in successive games, he's probably not going to pitch the next day. So here I will run down the 10 guys in the Pirates bullpen and what they've done over the last two dates. Monday in, Monday notings are innings pitched. Tuesday notings are pitches made. Rich Rodriguez, who is their main dude, Tuesday night, 17 pitches. Stratton, zero innings on Monday, though he did pitch. 18 pitches on Tuesday. I would imagine Stratton will probably not pitch on Wednesday. Hartlieb, 17 pitches on Tuesday. Turley, two-thirds on Monday, none on Tuesday. Um, good Lord, what's this guy's name? 
What? Oh, uh, Neveroskis pitched tw- made twenty seven pitches today, so I doubt he will get used tomorrow. Um, Howard, Howard pitched two innings on Monday. Did not pitch on Tuesday. Probably he would be usable on Wednesday. Tropiano, two and two-thirds on Sunday. Nothing Monday, nothing Tuesday, so he'll probably be good to go Wednesday. Bashler, who got bashed, had one inning on Monday and 16 pitches on Tuesday. He's probably out. Waddell is a left-hander that they haven't used either on Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. I don't know if they want to use him. And Crick pitched 10 pitches on Tuesday, so... I would imagine you're pretty much all good to go except for Stratton, Beschler, and Neveruskis. But anyone that pitched today and pitches tomorrow probably won't pitch on Thursday. So I'll just keep that and, and keep looking at that. I don't think the Cubs have anybody who's horribly compromised because um, Lester did pitch five and they used pretty much everybody in the bullpen. I, I did get out the um, who's actually left on the bench thing. I hadn't done that all year, but it had gotten kind of low on who was available. If that time run scored, the Cubs' remaining pitchers were Underwood, Tapera, and Kimbrell, and that was it. Well, they also had the starters, but I doubt the Cubs would be as foolish as to use starters. And I'm still saying, if they win tomorrow, I want Tyson Miller to pitch Wednesday. It it would make every sense in the world because it's sending a positive message of we're confident you can get it done and let's see you get it done. So if the Cubs win tomorrow, that's my call. I'm I'm put I'm put and with a possible Holland against Hendricks matchup on Wednesday. That's a possible win for the Cubs. They could actually win that one. So we'll just have to see. Okay, on to player development stuff. It's been announced that I didn't read the entire presser. I probably won't for a while. Teams are going to be allowed to have fall practice for prospects either on the campus site or the alternate site. So the Cubs could have... Now, I don't know if... I couldn't tell from reading it if it was a case of you can have players in both spots or if you can have them in either spot. So it could be a team can have... 80 players in Mesa, or it could be a team can have 50 players in Mesa and 30 in South Bend. I don't know, but it does sound like for fall practice, teams can do that. However, in the release, it said the players would have to be paid in-season wages. So that would mean if they are invited to play at this at these um these events it wouldn't so much be games probably it would probably be more um inter squad stuff there might be occasional games there might be full out games i don't know but it sounds like it's more 
um, practice development kind of stuff, making up for time during the season. And uh, the players would have to be paid in-season wages. So instead of, I've been commenting how ownership has been horribly cheap in that they refuse to give players $30 of per diem per day, if owners would have decided to allow 20 extra players at the alternate training site. 20 extra players could have been getting better for two months. But owners decided they didn't want to give per diem, so players haven't gotten better. But now, when the players go to the thing in the fall, it's going to be, you can pay them, but you have to pay them in-season wages, which should be like $300, $400, $500 a month, plus per diem. So I, it'll be interesting to me to see which owners go full out and say, yeah, we're going to have 80 guys. I would, I, the New York Yankees, the Los Angeles Dodgers, we're having 140 guys at our practices. We're having 100 here. No, we're having 90 here. We're having 50 over here. Boom, done. That would be the smart way to do it because all you're losing is money and all of your players are getting better. Now, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some owners that are going to say, well, I'll do this kind of reluctantly, quietly reluctantly. I don't want to say it out loud that I'm reluctant about paying my players to get better, but I'll allow 52 players to get better. But all the rest are going to have to stay home because I don't want to pay them. Some owners are going to do that. And those are the owners that ought to get shredded. If you're not trying to improve your team, what the hell are you owning a team for? What's the, what's the point if you... Um, it, it, it makes no sense to... Own a team, realize you have to develop players, and not pay the applicable amount to develop players at the level that the teams that are trying to win are trying to develop players. I don't get it. The Cubs tried that in the, 40, in the 50s, the 60s, into the 70s. It didn't work. It just didn't work. It won't work now. It should never work. And the teams that are trying to win, that are trying to develop players as best as possible, they will develop their talent. One other thing came up today, and I think uh, that'll um, about do it. Major League Baseball came out with their prospect listings today. Their prospect listings, and by that I mean they ranked the organizations from 1 to 30 as far as who has the best pipeline. I didn't look at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 too carefully. But I, I, I skimmed it down to about 15, started to look, no, 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 18, no, 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 21, no, 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 22, no, no, 24, no, 25, no, 26, Cubs. Cubs, MLB.com has the Cubs rated 26th. Someone asked me what I thought about that, and I wouldn't mind a telephone call. If you have a question more specifically about that, Fire away. I would love something on the um, anchor contest line. What do you mean you're good with? 
I think the Cubs prospects are a bit better than 26th in the, in the league. A bit better, not a whole lot better. Now, here's, here's the why I'm good with the number. I, it's not that the Cubs have a... Hor- what people are going to look at is... Wow, I should start this entire sentence again. Have you ever seen a picture that's entirely out of perspective? I don't know if I even have anything in mind that, kind of like an Escher drawing. Have you ever ever seen an Escher drawing? Escher artwork, R.C. Escher. You see that there's a stairway, and the stairway is going up, and then the next, um, it's a, um, diamond-shaped stairway. And from the first spot to the second spot, the stairs are obviously going up. Then you go from that spot to the one at the top of the diamond, and the stairs are going up. Then you go from the one that's the the top part of the diamond to the left part of the diamond, and the stairs are going up. And the left uh, left side of the diamond down to the bottom, the stairs are going up. So you can see everything that's going on in the picture, but it makes absolutely no sense because all of those things can't be accurate all at the same time. Looking at an Escher drawing is kind of a bit like looking at the player, the, the prospect rankings. People see 1 to 30, and they think, one is way up at the top. Two is reasonably below the way up at the top. And three and four and five and six and seven. And they're all evenly balanced. Kind of like, you know, um, the lines on the highway. You have a line, you have a space. You have a line, you have a space. You have a line, you have a space. And the lines are all the same size and the spaces are all the same size. And the lines are all the same size and the spaces are all the same size. So people perceive the rankings as lines on a highway. So you have one space, two space, three space, four space. So one, two, three, and four are way over here. And then way down there are 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, and 30. And people like to assume that there's an equal distancing, social distancing, between each of the teams in the listing. And that, that's not how it works. Usually there are going to be three or four teams that are well above the other teams. And I think I'll get back to that because it's important. But I, I, when you get to the teams like 5 to 11, they're really good systems, but they're really close, and it boils to, do you like this team that has like 28 guys who could be major leaguers, and only one or two that might be high-end guys, or do you prefer this system over here that only has 21 guys that might be, st- that might be really good major leaguers? you know, valid major leaguers, but they have four or five guys that might be stars. See what I mean? Some teams have more depth. Some teams have more upside. And 
realistically, they're really close. So you have one and two that are usually off in their own little universe. Three, four, and five are really kind of close. Six to about 11, six to 12, somewhere in there. They're all really close. Then somewhere around 12 or 13, you have a little break. And then you have a whole bunch of teams that are really close. And then you have a little tiny break. And then you have another bunch of teams that are all really close. And then usually you have 28, 29, 30 that, yeah, they have a lot of work to do. That's usually how it goes. The Cubs are 26th. And what it boils to is nobody has seen Brennan Davis this year. Nobody has seen Miguel Amaya this year. Nobody has seen Braylon Marquez this year. Nobody has seen Corey Abbott this year. Really, nobody knows how any of the important Cubs prospects have improved this year or haven't. So you've seen a bit of Edward Alzale. You can assess him. But a lot of the other guys, it's like, well, how's this guy doing? How's the other guy doing? Nobody has any idea because nobody's seen anybody. So the question, there, there are two ways you can look at the premise. One is, what is my team's ranking and is it valid? Most of the time, it's pretty valid because as much as people want to think, oh man, this guy hates the Royals. This guy hates the Tigers. This guy hates the Phillies. He does anything. The writers don't care. The writers really don't care which team they're assessing. Now, what they sometimes do care about is if a team is bringing in one specific type of player all the time, all the time, all the time, and they're not huge fans of that type of player, they're probably not going to give that team nearly as much interest as other teams. Recently, the Cubs have started to bring in high-velocity arms. That really hadn't so much been the case before. They had had Dylan Cease. They'd had Dylan Maples. But really, there weren't a whole lot of high-velocity arms. So much of it for a long time in the Cubs system was get guys who can make pitches and hope they can develop all the way to the major league and get outs there. And that really didn't work. So recently... The Cubs have adjusted their um, selections. And Ryan Jensen is a hard thrower. Michael McAveen is a hard thrower. Um, Burl Caraway is a hard thrower. Luke Little is a hard thrower. So yeah, they're going a bit more with velocity. But those players with velocity, nobody's seen what Ryan Jensen did this year. Nobody has any idea. So if you're trying to guess on which organization has gotten better this year off of players that you haven't seen, where, where are you assessing that? The hiccup is, so if you're trying to assess, are they trying to dog our system? Are they misrepresenting our system too low or too high? This year, it's kind of difficult to judge that. Now, one thing that is very valid, completely valid, totally valid, always valid, is 
What types of players are the teams bringing in? What types of players are the teams bringing in? Now, I'm going to take a little stop here and take a little redirect. Some teams in 2020 added a whole lot of talent through the draft. For instance, anyone who was in the top 10 in the draft, they added a whole lot of talent. Regardless who they are, it's really tough to screw up when you're picking top 10 every round. You're going to accidentally back into someone that's kind of, sort of good if you're picking top 10. It's tough to screw that up. Some teams get extra picks every year due to the size of their market. The Cubs were not top 10. The Cubs did not get extra picks due to the size of their market. Cubs had no advantages this year along those lines. So, if you're going to say You as a, not a Cubs fan, you're not trying to assess this as a Cubs fan saying, why is it that these people are dogging us? What you're trying to assess this as, kind of look at it as a root cause analysis kind of a thing. You know, what is the thing that causes that point which is caught? The Cubs drafted Ed Howard in the first round. Not a whole lot of people ripping on that. He'll be a while. Um, but until people actually see anything that Luke Howard has done, there's not going to be a whole lot of rush to, wow, Ed Howard was a huge pickup for him. He hasn't been at the alternate training site. Cubs only had 60 spots for the 60-man player pool. They didn't send Ed Howard. They sent other players because reasons. Some of which I agree with, some of which I don't. But um, nobody's seen Ed Howard. Nobody has any idea. The only thing I've seen of Justin Nwagu, the other offensive player, was doing some weightlifting. And my Lord, he's got an amazing body. He looks like he's got... He, he has a weightlifter's body. And he plays baseball. So if he ever figures out how the timing mechanism and the load and the, all that thing... Dude's going to hit because he's monstrous. He's massive. Um, If you're going to try to make the case for, in general, Baseball America, MLB, you know, all all the sources are misrepresenting the Cubs, and the Cubs are a lot better than The prognosticators are saying, if you're going to make that case, I'll tell you what you got to do. Some years, teams are drafting far sooner than the Cubs. I think eight of the draft picks this year are already in the top 100. Ed Howard is not one of them. One of the players the Cubs left on the board, Garrett Mitchell, who went to the Brewers, is on the top 100. 
five or six years? We'll know. Was Garrett Mitchell the right call? Or was Ed Howard the right call? Right now, it's up in the air. I liked them both. I preferred Garrett Mitchell. When the Cubs announced Ed Howard, I said, I'm good with that. Because there were three names on my list. Ed Howard was one of them. That makes perfect sense. Ed Howard, at the time of the season being called off, was ranked 10th or 12th on the, on the big board. You give me a shortstop who has the defense all figured out, he's 10th or 12th, and you get him at 16, I'm not complaining. No complaints about that. Garrett Mitchell might be better. I'm not going to complain about Ed Howard. I would have chosen Garrett Mitchell, though. But I, that, that's just full, disclo- full disclosure. I think that's how, what they call it. For you to make the case that the Cubs are actually better than specific other teams. The Cubs are better than the Reds. The Cubs are better than the Pirates. The Cubs are better than the Mets. The Cubs are better than the, you know, whichever team it is that's in front of them in the list. The Mets were just in front of the Cubs. The Yankees were just in front of the Cubs. The Pirates were about five or six in front of the Cubs. The Reds were about eight in front of the Cubs. Just, I I think I'm somewhere right on those. Uh, Might be off a little bit. Oh, Tim, you're wrong. You said eight. It was five. You idiot. Well, okay, I'm not looking at the list right now. Um, The Reds get extra picks every year. The Reds picked sooner than the Cubs this year. The Reds got extra picks last year, an an extra pick. The the Reds drafted sooner than the Cubs last year. If the Cubs are going to make up ground on teams that that were ahead of them last year, I'm going to say that again. If the Cubs are going to make up ground on teams that were ahead of them last year, where is it that they're making up that ground? What specific individual players are, this guy is a whole lot better than the guy that the other team drafted. This guy is way better than that guy that they drafted. This guy is way better than the two people that that team drafted in that round. They got two second rounders. The Cubs only got one second rounder. But the Cubs' one second rounder is so much better than the two guys that the other team drafted. That's what you got to talk me through. The Dodgers are not coming back to the Cubs. The Dodgers are not coming back to the Cubs. They are going to keep developing. The Rays are not going to come back to the Cubs. They are going to keep developing. The Cubs are firing scouts. The Cubs are firing coaches. The Cubs are firing player development personnel. How are the Cubs going to catch? Let's say the numbers say the Cubs are 26, but they're really 22. Fair? Maybe yes, maybe no. It says 26. Let's say they're 22. 
By what methodology are the Cubs going to get better than the team that's 18th? By what methodology are the Cubs going to get better than the team that's 14th? If you're going to improve beyond people, for instance, you're watching a horse race. You're watching a horse race. The horse is in seventh place. He's in fifth place. He's in seventh place. He's in fifth place. Boom, he takes off. He blows by everybody and wins. He just dusted him. He flirt. That's what the Cubs need. You can't get away with saying, well, the Cubs have Chase Strumpf. So because of that, they should be ranked much. No. Everybody has an infielder who's offense first. The Cubs drafted Burl Care. No, 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 no. Everybody has a lefty that throws 90 plus. Everybody has that now. Can he get people out? Is he getting people out at the double A level? Is Richard Gallardo going to be a young stud who's breaking into the major leagues at 21 and represents being a first or second starter in a rotation. Now you do that, now you're improving. I'm not going to call that. I'm interested in Gallardo, but he's only pitched to the um, Eugene level. And I don't like to project any higher than one level beyond what a player has played. So... When people ask, why are the Cubs ranked 22nd, 26th, 23rd, 19th? Why aren't they ranked higher? Other teams get better players than the Cubs do. Other teams get better players than the Cubs do because, in part, some of them draft earlier. Because in part, some of them draft more often. And in part, some of them don't even bother with Dominican, the Dominican League. They instead wait for, they have their money that they are allowed to spend. They don't spend it, they don't spend it, they don't spend it, they don't spend it. All of a sudden... Somebody from Cuba defects. They have all this money to spend. Hey, let's get this guy from Cuba or this other guy from Cuba or this other guy from Cuba. And they've done no research, no planning, no nothing. They just say, hey, we have $4 million. You want to sign for 3.2 of it? Sure, why not? Okay, done. Whereas what the Cubs do is they spend years and years developing relationships between the scouts and the... Um, players and their trainers and all that kind of stuff and they try to show off that they're a good organization and da 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 and a whole bunch of other teams are doing the same they turn in bids da, 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 and the player either chooses the Cubs or they choose the other team and there's a whole lot of good talent people underestimate that overseas there's a whole lot of good talent in the Dominican there's a whole lot of good talent in Venezuela and Colombia and all that kind of stuff uh, people sometimes like to think there's only nine guys that are any good, but nobody ever says, huh, Acuna signed for very little. 
Maybe there's a lot of talent down there that I don't know about. There you go. Um, Cubs won a game today. Pushed the numbers down. That's all good. But I talked a bit more about the player development side of things than I planned. I looked at the time and it's like, wow, I didn't plan on speaking that long tonight. But um, hopefully I kept your attention. And if you have any questions specifically about why are the Cubs lower, why is it that this specific player or these two specific players don't, feel free to ask. Twitter's fine. Call on the contest line. Usually wherever you're logging in to listen to the podcast, there should be some sort of an ask a question button. Click on there. I've had it. I've had questions numerous times, and it's really fun for me because I have no idea who I'm walking into. But if you call in a question, what ends up happening is you become the introduction to a podcast, and it's wonderful. One of the one of my favorite ones back when I was just starting up was when I mispronounced one of the players on the Cubs, and his I want to say his wife, but it could have been his sister called in and kindly read me the riot act about mispronouncing his name and i was happy to yeah i was wrong thanks for calling in i appreciate it but uh no if you have questions feel free to call in because as much as i enjoy talking about what i want to talk about if there's something that's kind of why did this happen one thing came up tonight in the game that i think i'll close on this after the Cubs eighth inning, top of the eighth inning, going into the bottom of the eighth. The weather, as you know, was starting to become a factor. And the Cubs brought in Dan Winkler to start the eighth inning. And then there's a rain delay. Everybody went back to the locker room, da-da-da, whatever, come out 45 minutes, an hour later. And Dan Winkler has to pitch to at least the first three hitters First guy, yeah, Cabrian Hayes hits him for a home run. Like, congratulations, kid. Uh, um, well, why is it that he had to pitch? Well, you have to pitch the three guys. But there's a rain delay. So what? You have to pitch the three guys. You know, if you're going <laughs> to wonder about if there's going to be a rain delay or not, send out the other guy, have him pitch to one guy, and then bring in the reliever for the next guy or whatever. But, uh, so yeah, you are still required to pitch to three guys. I'm minding that less and less. I've been using that rule this year in my Stratomatic League, which incidentally, I haven't been playing nearly as much recently because I've been doing a lot of podcasts. So it's kind of an ebb and flow kind of a thing. Um, Cubs win. I, I will, I will run through the numbers again because to me, they're kind of important. Cubs are 21 and 14, St. Louis elimination number 27, Milwaukee 21, Cincinnati 20, Pittsburgh 17, and tomorrow Pittsburgh plays Detroit. Chicago, obviously, again, plays Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati plays St. Louis. So even in the worst case scenario, worst, 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 worst case scenario, and the Cubs drop to 21 and 15, Either St. Louis or Cincinnati is going to lose a game. And as soon as, well, numbers just keep falling because you're just going to be playing, you know, the five teams are pretty much just playing each other, and one of the five is off playing an American League team. So 
it's always going to be two head-to-heads. Sometimes the Cubs are one of the head-to-heads, sometimes not. So the other teams are, somebody's going to drop a number. So uh, if Milwaukee, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh add up to 58, 58 being Cubs wins and Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh losses, then the Cubs are in the playoffs. And if you toss in St. Louis at 27, if that also goes down to zero, then the Cubs win the division. And we'll see how that ends up playing out. But, um, yeah, it, another game tomorrow. And it, it, the St. Louis game, St. Louis-Cincinnati game being so one-sided uh, took away a bit of the excitement. And also the Milwaukee-Detroit game wasn't really very close. Um, fortunately, it went the proper way. But, uh, no, uh, once everyone, fig- including David Ross, figures out how they're supposed to do things, I think the, Cub- the Cubs will be fine. I don't think they're an elite team. I don't think they will make it to the League Championship Series, but I can still certainly be a Cubs fan and say that. And I think that'll about do it. So... Thank you for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll try to have another podcast posted as appropriate. I'll attempt to make that one worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs, go. And be nice to people.